All right, hallelujah. We'll turn to two places this morning for uh, our master text that we're about to read in this teaching. So the first one is in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 15. It's only one verse for our master text, but later on we're going to read another lengthier section. So you might put your finger in Matthew chapter 6 as well. So Exodus 15, Matthew chapter 6, and... um, As you're finding that, I just want to give some introductory thoughts, and we'll read our master text here in a moment in Exodus chapter 15. You know, we've been talking about building an ark of protection for the last few Sundays now, building an ark of protection in this dangerous world. And in doing so, we spent quite a bit of time looking at Psalm 91, and also uh, we've discussed God's covenant of protection for his people. And today we're going to look at what the Bible says about how to take care of our temples or our physical bodies. And similar to last week, we're going to match up what science is saying to what the Bible says. So if you have found Exodus chapter 15, let's go ahead and stand up and honor the reading of God's word. And it's just one short verse. And it says this, God is speaking here, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I want us to say that last line together, for I am the Lord who heals you. And all God's people say, amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Praise God. We'll get to uh, Matthew chapter 6 later on, so keep your finger there. We'll get to that a little bit later. Now, uh, I want to say here as we get rolling that much of the Old Testament law, which is what God is referring to there when he says, if you keep all my statutes and decrees, he's talking about the Old Testament law. Much of the Old Testament law had to do with how to take care of one's physical body. So there were laws of hygiene in the Old Testament. Did you know that? There was laws of hygiene, dietary laws, and medical laws, which means, and this is our key concept this morning, that God placed some of the responsibility for our health on us. God placed some of the responsibility of our health on us. And it puts me in remembrance of um, Daniel. In chapter 1, Daniel and his companions, because Daniel and his companions were good, godly, young Israelite men who were taken into captivity in Babylon when Babylon came in and uh, they they sacked Israel basically and took off, uh, took a, a, killed a lot of people and then took the survivors into captivity in Babylon. And so uh, Daniel and his friends and his companions were among those who were taken into captivity. Well, the leadership of Babylon saw in these young men qualities that they wanted to use in uh, that culture. They were, they were articulate, they were smart, they were intelligent, uh, fit, uh, good-looking. So these are all qualities that these young men possessed that they wanted to put to good use there in Babylon. And so as they were training them for what they wanted, the, the, the tasks that they wanted them to perform there in Babylon, they set before them the king's food, which were very rich foods, and some of them were quote-unquote unclean foods. And of course, some of those foods were forbidden to be eaten in Israel, 
according to the Old Testament laws. So Daniel and his companions set forth a proposal to the attendant, and he said, Let's, let, let me make a deal with you. How about me and my friends drink only water rather than the king's wine and, drink, uh, and eat only vegetables rather than all these various rich foods that were being set before them and put us to the test. And after 10 days, if we're not more energetic and, and look sharper and more energetic than our contemporaries who are eating the king's food, then, then you be the judge as to what to do from that point forward. And so he agreed to that. And after 10 days of Daniel and his friends eating only vegetables and drinking water. They looked fitter and brighter in appearance and more energetic than the other people that were eating the king's food. And so they let them continue to follow that, those dietary restrictions. So that's what I'm talking about, that God has placed some of the responsibility of our health on us. And that's why he gave the various food restrictions in the Old Testament as well. Now, those food restrictions don't save us, okay? But there's some wisdom there, even in the Old Testament restrictions where food is concerned. So that's part of what we're going to talk about this morning. So let me start out here by saying that um, a very important concept for this morning is that God wants you well. Why does God want us well? Well, I want to read to you out of the New Testament right now. Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 and 15 um, talks about when Jesus went over to Peter's house and his mother-in-law was sick in bed. So let's read this together. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law sick in bed with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to serve him. Now, you might jot this down, that the first thing that Peter's mother-in-law did after Jesus healed her was to begin serving, was to begin serving, if you remember that account. See, Peter's mother-in-law was not able to serve in her sickly condition. See, being poor in health hinders a person in their calling. Now listen, I didn't say that you can't serve at all or fulfill your calling at all if you, you have a, a physical problem, depending on what that problem is, of course. But it, let's be honest, it does make it more challenging. Would you agree with me on that? Therefore, it is God's will that we prosper and be in health. And I'm quoting there from 3 John, verses, uh, 3 John 1, verse 2. So let's read that together. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. Now, let me make a quick point about that. Notice that just as your soul prospers. What's that mean? That outward prosperity in both monetary things and your health begins with inner prosperity. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper and be, be uh, prosper, may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So the outward manifestation of health and prosperity begins with inner prosperity. Um, so, so again, I want to emphasize that the responsibility, part of the responsibility, not all of it, because we have a God as well that, uh, intervenes in our personal affairs, but some of the responsibility of walking in health is ours. Now, on that note, I'm going to get into a little bit of science right now because I just want to validate that point right there, that some of the responsibility of our health lies on, lies on us. That's why God gave us certain principles in the Bible so that we could walk in health. 
So I want you to see what some of the science is saying about the leading causes of death in the West. Look at this. So um, at the top there is heart disease, cancer. Uh, you've got also stroke, Alzheimer's disease. Well, the thing that I want to point out about this is that five of those 10 that are listed there are linked to lifestyle and are preventable. I'm going to say that again. Five of the 10 are linked to lifestyle and are preventable. As a matter of fact, if you go back during the Clinton administration, there was a uh, surgeon general by the name of C. Everett Koop in 1989 who said that seven out of the 10 leading causes of death were lifestyle related and are preventable. So on that note, what's not on this list is something that's conspicuously absent, and it's called iatrogenic disease, which is the number one leading cause of death in the West. Now, what is iatrogenic disease? Well, let's take a quote here from Boyd's Pathology, which is a medical textbook. Page 10 says, in fear of the public, we seek refuge in a mystic word, iatrogenic, trusting that the patient will not consult a medical dictionary and find that iatros is Greek for physician and genetic means caused by. Iatrogenic is physician-induced disease or death. That's what it means. Boy's pathology goes on to say, unfortunately, what is powerful for good may also be potent for evil. Iatrogenic disease is the number one killer in America, and you never hear about it. But let me give you some numbers to validate that point. So in the National Center for Health Research, Diana Zuckerman, PhD, wrote an article called Death by Medicine where she compiles some of those numbers. And actually, this is not the only article by that name because before Diana Zuckerman wrote her article, there was another article by the same name that was a number of physicians that participated in that particular uh, paper and uh, study. Now look at some of, uh, some of the numbers here. When uh, adverse drug reactions, just adverse drug reactions, and I'm not talking about recreational drugs, I'm talking about pharmaceuticals that were administered properly and taken properly. 106,000 deaths a year due to adverse drug reactions. Then you go down the list there, medical errors, 120,000 deaths per year, bed sores, infections, malnutrition, outpatient adverse drug reactions, unnecessary procedures, and surgery related. All told, total over 800,000 people a year die from iatrogenic disease, and you never hear about that. Now, I just want to give you a little bit of... Uh, clarity and levity on that, and just kind of give you a little bit of comparison. Currently, there are about 72 million gun owners in the United States, and every year there's about 500 or so accidental deaths caused by guns. Again, 72 million gun owners in the United States, and about 500 or so accidental deaths caused by guns in the U.S. every year. So that translates to 0.0000627 accidental deaths per gun owner. In comparison, what this means is, is that medical doctors 
are 9,000 times more likely to accidentally kill someone than gun owners are. That's not me. That's the medical research, folks. Okay? Now, I want to give you a couple of quotes along these lines. Dr. Robert Mendelson, from his book, Confessions of a Medical Heretic, says this, I believe that more than 90% of modern medicine could disappear from the earth, doctor, hospital, drugs, and equipment, and the effect on our health would be immediate and beneficial. Now, let, let me say so. I'm going to give you another quote that's just as poignant. But before I give you the next quote, I do want to say that America has the finest emergency medical system in the world. If you've been in a car accident or you have a, a, a ruptured appendix or an emergency situation like that, go to a conventional hospital. But if you're dealing with a chronic disease state, a chronic health problem, um, a medical doctor here in America, this is my opinion, a medical doctor here in America is like one of the last people that I would go to. Amen. Did you know that the quality of our health system here in, in the West, all the different countries, they're, they're ranked in terms of the quality of their, their health care systems. You know what America ranks? It's like 37th. Yet our budget the money that we pour into our medical system is far and away higher than any other nation, but yet we rank 37th among all industrialized nations, which means we're toward the bottom. Okay, so let me give you the, the next quote here. Ivan Illich in his book, Medical Nemesis, says, among all our contemporary experts, physicians are those trained to the highest level of specialized incompetence. So I say all that as a preface to some principles that we're going to talk about this morning, uh, the seven pillars of health that the Bible talks about, and I'll give you a, and this is going to be a super, super brief, by the way, in terms of my ability to get into each one of these seven with any great degree. In fact, I'm hoping to be done with this teaching in enough time to do a little bit of Q&A at the end, so I'll, I'll see how I do. We may not get to that, but if we do, I'll do a little Q&A at the end. So I, I wanted to give you all of that information, um, and by the way, the information on iatrogenic disease and our medical system I mean, the, the information available is mind-blowing. I mean, mind-blowing how much information is out there. But most people don't know it's there because the, the, um, you know, our, our media is funded in large part by the pharmaceutical industry. So you're never going to hear any of this in the media. Never going to hear any of this in the media. Um, so I wanted you to know that so that as I get into these principles, you know that you are responsible to take care of your health. Between you and the Lord, you should be your own physician. And then if something, you know, an emergency situation happens, God forbid, then you know, maybe a, in certain situations a hospital would be in order. But if you need help with your health, I would recommend an integrative or holistic type of physician. Um, and our medical system is so broken, our, our insurance system is so broken that our insurance system won't even pay for a lot of these integrative and, and holistic approaches, unfortunately. So fortunately, that kind of cares out of, the, out of pocket. So it really falls to us to take care of ourselves. And if you need some help along those lines, then there's physicians out there that can help you along those lines. But the seven pillars of health, I'm going to zip through these kind of fast. 
I'm going to give you seven just really basic, super basic pillars of health to help you along these lines. And the first one is obviously spiritual well-being. Because in 3 John 1, verse 2, we already read it. Uh, beloved, I, pr- I, I pray that, um, that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, remember? So that's the first thing is, is spiritual well-being. And I'm going to also quote from a Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22 here, which says this, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So just being someone who walks with the Lord and obeys his commands, that's life and health to your whole body. So that's the first one. I'm not going to elaborate on that one. Let's go to the next one. Um, And I'm referencing here on the screen a book by Dan Butner called The Blue Zones. The Blue Zones. Nine Lessons for Living Longer from the People Who've Lived the Longest. So what these blue zones are, they're they're zones around the world where in these particular communities around the world, people are living a really long time, like 100 years or more. So in blue zones, uh, it's very common for people to live 100 years or more very healthfully. Uh, So in these blue zones, they've they've studied these blue zones, they've studied the people in these blue zones and what their practices and their lifestyles are like, and they have found that there's common denominators among all the blue zones. And I'm going to give you three of the common denominators right now that Dan Butner talks about in his book, uh, Blue Zones. And the first one, uh, well, I I should say, I'm going to give you three under this umbrella of the power of community. So that's one of the common denominators in blue zones is the power of community. People being in community with one another and uh, enjoying uh, fellowship with one another. That's a very important blue zone principle. So I'm referencing here Psalm 92.13, which says, plant is talking about the person who's planted in the house of the Lord. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Everybody say flourish. That's God's desire for you is to flourish. What's one of the ways that we do that? We're planted in the house of the Lord. So three of the nine blue zone principles have to do with community. Three of the nine blue zone principles have to do with this principle right here of community. So I'm going to give you those three right now. The first one is quote unquote belong. It's belonging to a a group belonging to a a community of people that are like-minded. See, people in blue zones are serious about corporate worship and they prioritize it highly. I want to say that again. People in blue zones who are living the longest, 100 years or more, are serious about corporate worship and prioritize it highly. In fact, The research indicates that Dan Butner talks about in this book, Blue Zones, the research that he mentions in this book indicates that attending faith-based services four times per month, once a week, adds up to 14 years of life expectancy. Yeah, wow. All right, so by contrast then... By contrast, we can conclude that people who make church, listen, that people who make church a low priority, are you ready for this? 
I think you know where I'm going with this, I think. By contrast, we can conclude that people who make church a low priority are literally shaving time off of their lifespan. That's just what the research shows. I'm just quoting the research to you. And I'll, I'll talk more about that in a separate teaching maybe, but we can definitely see that it was not for no reason that God instructed us in Hebrews 10.25 to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. All right? I bet, boy, I could go off on that for a, quite a long time. Boy, our, our culture of individualism and independence that we have in this church culture in the West right now, is, is, it's not biblical and it's not healthy. Okay? But that's all I'm going to say about that right now. Uh, the second uh, Blue Zone principle under this heading of community is loved ones first. So centurions, or people that live to be 100 years or more, centurions put their families first. See, they keep aging parents nearby, they commit to their spouses for a lifetime, and they invest in their children. And the next Blue Zone principle is right tribe. You see, it's not enough just to be in community, you've got to be in the right community, the right group of people. It's very important, the, the, the type of people that you hang out with. So the world's longest living people chose or were born into social circles that promote healthy behaviors. I want to say that again. The world's longest living people chose or were born into uh, social circles that promote healthy behaviors. All right, so that's, the, that's a very important one right there. Um, but I want to give you the next one, and that's our diets. <laughs> you like that picture? <laughs> with that piece of pizza as big as him. Um, but our, our scriptural reference here is Proverbs 23, verses 1 through 3. Listen very carefully to this, and I'm going to elaborate on this. It says this, When you sit to dine with a ruler, consider carefully what is set before you, and put a knife to your throat if you possess a great appetite. Do not crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive. Okay, so what does this mean? All right, so in that time and place, this was written by probably King Solomon back about uh, 4,000 years ago. In that time and place in the Middle East, it was only the, the rich and the rulers and the dignitaries that ate very rich, calorie-rich foods. So as a consequence, as an example, um, it was only the, the rich and the dignitaries and the rulers and, the, and, and such that got what became known as the diseases of kings and queens. The diseases of kings and queens. What were those? Things like arthritis, tumors or cancer, heart disease, obesity, etc. So diseases of inflammation, diseases of excess and diseases of eating things that are really not that good for you and eating a lot of it. So, you know, they ate very rich and refined foods, drank a lot of wine and what have you. Now, the commoners, on the other hand, they didn't live off those kinds of foods. The commoners lived off of, of foods they grew themselves, game they hunted or raised themselves, and uh, they didn't experience those kinds of, of diseases. So it was the diseases of kings and queens. Ladies and gentlemen, we live an entire nation now 
where the entire nation is suffering from the diseases of kings and queens. Because we eat excessively and a lot of junk excessively. So our diets have a lot to do with how healthy uh, we live. And God wanted us to not live like that. He wanted us to avoid those things. Not that you can't indulge in goodies from time to time. I'm not saying that. But, you know, you, you really need to, we, we all need to be more careful about what we eat and how much. Amen. And then make, our, make the goodies the exception, not the rule. Now, on this point about diet, I do want to make a few other points here for you. I want to just point out the biggest food offenders. And number one, by far, is sugar. By far, the number one offender is sugar. Uh, there's a, a book that was written in the 1970s called Sugar Blues. And boy, you should maybe go read that and pick that up. But there's a lot of documentaries that have come out um, on sugar um, recently. Sugar, by far, is the biggest offender. Um, It causes inflammatory processes in the body and and blood sugar issues and decays the brain. And and, uh, it's, man, on and on I could go about the detrimental effects of sugar. You really need to watch that. The next one is chemicals. And under that heading, the chemicals we need to watch out for are pesticides, preservatives, colorings, flavorings, humectants, and even, even antibiotics. And, and uh, I mean, it's on and on it goes. So we need to watch out for chemicals. And if we can, eat more organic foods. Now, I realize that organic foods are a little bit tougher to come by in this day and age and a little bit more expensive. But if you can make the investment, it's worth it. It's really, really worth it. The next one is fast foods. Who has seen the movie Super Size Me? If you read, if you watch that movie, you probably will never eat in a fast food restaurant again. Um, so go check out Super Size Me. Packaged foods, and of course, we talked already about excesses. Just you know, excessive amounts of soda pop and sugar and. You know, even excessive coffee. Boy, I've got a really quick story here. Hopefully I can do this really quickly. Um, Kenneth Copeland told a story one time about all the, the joint pain that he was experiencing at one point. And uh, he would pray and, and, and exercise his faith and, and the joint pain would go away. But then it would come right back again. This went over and over and over again. He said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to go to my cabin up in the hills and I'm just going to seclude myself and I'm going to just fast and pray about this and, and uh, find out what's going on because this has gone on long enough. So he didn't take anything with him. I guess he, you know, food, obviously. No, he was fasting, so there was no food. But he did bring a thermos of, of coffee and, uh, because he was a big coffee drinker. And so uh, that was really, you know, coffee and water is about the only thing that he had as he was fasting and praying uh, there for this situation with his joints. And so he got up there, got settled in, and he began praying. And almost immediately as he began praying, um, he said that the Holy Spirit, he could could sense in his his heart and mind, the Holy Spirit um, says, I want to talk to you about your coffee consumption. He said, Lord, Lord, I'm here to talk about my joint pain. I'm up here to get get rid of this joint pain. And so he, he like kind of dismissed that. And then he went back to pray again. And the same thing happened again. He felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, I, don't, I want to talk to you about your coffee consumption. And it's like, Lord, um, I'm here about my joint pain issue. Um, so can we talk about that, please? And they, this went on again the third time. He said he's kind of hard-headed. 
He said the third time he went to pray again, and the third time the Holy Spirit said, I want to talk to you about your coffee consumption. And then it dawned on him, oh, could there be a connection? (laughs) Not that coffee in moderation is that terrible for you, but he was drinking it all day long. And to the point where he wouldn't even go on a fast without his thermos of coffee. He was addicted to it. So the Lord didn't want him or us to be mastered by anything, and certain excesses can cause some problems. Doug Bringle isn't here this morning. I think he's traveling, but Doug Bringle came to me several years ago, and he said, man, I've got this terrible acid reflux problem. I mean, terrible. And my first question was, how much coffee are you drinking, and how much refined carbohydrates are you eating? And so he told me, and it was a lot, a pot of coffee a day is what Doug was drinking, plus some of the refined carbohydrates and some of the goodies that Sharon is so good at making. I mean, he was you know, excessively consuming that. So I said, okay, do this. Cut your coffee consumption in half and cut your carbohydrate consumption for the, the goodies. Cut that in half. He came to me in four days and said, my, my GERD, my acid reflux is all gone. So sometimes we can be hurting ourselves and not even know it. So excesses, excesses. So excesses, by the way, is why God wants us to fast from time to time. Okay, because it breaks the addiction cycle to some of these things. So let me give you just very briefly here, eight health benefits of fasting backed by science. This is a, actually an article out of Healthline. This is the benefits, of the, I mean, Healthline isn't a Christian publication. But this is the health benefits that Healthline lists in this article, eight eight health benefits of fasting backed by science. This this will break the addictive cycle in your life if you're addicted to sugar, addicted to coffee, or anything else for that matter. Uh, Number one, blood sugar control. Number two, fights inflammation. Three, enhances heart health by improving blood pressure, triglycerides, and cholesterol levels. Number four, boosts brain function and prevents neurodegenerative disorders. Number five, aids in weight loss by limiting calorie intake and boosting metabolism. Number six, increases growth hormone secretion, which is vital for growth, metabolism, weight loss, and muscle strength. Number seven, there's cancer prevention associated with uh, with fasting. And number eight, may extend longevity, the, the, the length and quality of your life. Okay, so again, there's so much more to say about each and every one of these seven pillars of health, but I've got a lot of content this morning, so I'm going to zip past this. Hopefully, we'll have some Q&A at the end. The fourth principle is the importance of exertion or exercise. You've got to exert yourself. The body's made to move. It needs some resistance once in a while. You can't just sit on the couch and be sedentary and expect to be healthy. That's not going to, it's not going to work. God wants us to move. In 1 Timothy 4.8, it says, for physical training is of some value, is of some value. Now, it goes on to say in that same verse, but godliness has value for all things, not only in this life, but also the life to come. So he's saying, he's saying, don't dismiss exercise. There's some value to that, but godliness has value for all things. So even the Bible um, acknowledges that there's, there's benefits in physical training. So what's the science say then? From Mayo Clinic, exercise in almost any form can act as a stress reliever. Being active can boost your feel-good endorphins and distract you from daily worries. From the CDC, which I don't agree with everything that they say, 
but they got it right on this one. Uh, regular physical activity is one of the most important things you can do for your health. Being physically active can improve your brain health, help manage weight, reduce the risk of disease, strengthen bones and muscles, and improve your ability to do everyday activities. So, uh, how much exercise? Look, if you can even take a brisk walk 15 minutes three times a week, just doing that has health benefits. But do something you enjoy. If you like roller skating or rollerblading, do that. If, uh, I mean, whatever, I mean, just get your heart pumping. Break a sweat. It's important that we, uh, that we keep our body moving, okay? Uh, the next one is this, tranquility. That's the fifth pillar of health is tranquility, a heart at peace. Proverbs 14.30 says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Now, I want to give you a little bit of insight here from the ancient languages about that scripture right there. So that word that's translated into English as envy is the, uh, the Hebrew word kinah, and it means ardor, zeal, jealousy, or strong negative passion or energy. Strong negative passion or energy. So it's not just the the emotion of being envious, it's any time that you have strong, negative passion or energy. Bitterness, unforgiveness, unresolved anger. Those are all examples of ardor, zeal, or strong, negative passion or energy. And that word translated into bone, where it says envy makes the bones rot, that's the word estim in Hebrew. And it does refer to bone, but beyond that, it means substance or self, representing the entire person. Representing the entire person. So we could translate it like this. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but strong negative passion or energy makes the entire body rot. And we know that from the medical research, stress Ongoing stress is very catabolic or destructive to the body. I'm going to give you an article here from the American Psychological Association. An article called Stress Effects on the Body. I'm just going to read you a a little uh, outtake from that. Um, They say that stress affects all systems of the body, including the musculoskeletal, respiratory, cardiovascular, endocrine, gastrointestinal, nervous, and reproductive systems. Our bodies, they state, our bodies are well-equipped to handle stress in small doses. But when that stress becomes long-term or chronic, it can have serious effects on your body. So it's very important we learn to deal healthfully with stress. Well, how do we do that? How do we deal with stress or the roots thereof? This is where I want to turn to uh, our second text that I ask you to turn to and keep your thumb in. And that is in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read verses 25 through 34. And I'm going to read this kind of fast so because uh, a lot of you are already familiar with this. So just follow along. Uh, verse 25, just, this is Jesus speaking. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, not more, are you not much more valuable than they? 
Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Key verse right here, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So that's the, the way that we deal with stress right there is to give up your worries and your cares to God. As 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Roll it over onto God. I know that's easier said than done sometimes, but that's a discipline that we have to roll our cares over onto God rather than to try to internalize them, like, like, especially with stuff that's outside of your control. Why are you worrying about stuff that's outside of your, your, your control? You can't change it anyway. It's going to have to be something that God helps you to deal with. Amen? So this is a very key point here on, on this note as well. A life truly lived in faith banishes worry and fear. And I want to say that again. A life truly lived in faith banishes worry and fear. Did you know that worry and fear is actually a form of faith? It's faith in reverse. You've got faith in stuff that you hope doesn't happen. Hello. Worry and fear is a perverted, inverted form of faith. You're placing your faith in what could happen that you hope doesn't happen rather than the promises of God. So life truly lived by faith banishes worry and fear. And I don't know how many times it says in the Bible, I mean, it's countless times, I haven't counted them up, but some of you may actually know um, how many times it says in the Bible, do not fear. You know it. So help me, educate me. How many... How, 365. I knew that. I was just testing you. Well, I find that very interesting. 365, one, one command for each day of the week or for each day of the year. Isn't that interesting? Praise God. You, you all know your Bible, so I like that. Praise the Lord. Okay. So then Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And that leads us to our next principle or pillar of health, and that's quality sleep. Because, see, your levels of stress or relaxation are going to affect your sleep one way or the other. I want to give you a quote from the National Institutes of Health here on the importance of quality sleep. The cumulative long-term effect of sleep loss and sleep disorders have been associated with a wide range of deleterious health consequences, including an increased risk of hypertension, diabetes, obesity, depression, heart attack, and stroke. It's very important that you get a good night's sleep. And your level of stress throughout the day will affect your quality of sleep at night. So that's why we need to roll our cares over onto the Lord and live a life of thanksgiving. And when we do that, then Psalm 4, verses 7 and 8 can be true of us, which says, 
You have filled my heart with more joy than when grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. See, Psalm 4 will make you snore. If you lead a lifestyle of thanksgiving, okay, and you roll your cares over on the Lord, then you'll sleep like a baby. Hallelujah. Okay, and my seventh and final pillar of, uh, of good health is not one that you'll see in the Bible, but I think we need to talk about this, and, and it's this, why, why you may need to supplement your diet. See, when the Bible was written, um, the food quality back then was way better than it is today. And the toxicity level of the environment was way less than it is today. So today we may need to supplement our diets because, see, we're, our modern farming methods are violating biblical principles in how farming is done. Because the biblical principle was farm the land for six years on the seventh, don't farm it, let it rest and replenish. If you keep farming the soil, and you don't ever let it replenish. You strip off the topsoil, and you strip off all the, the good organisms and the, 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 the minerals and the, the nutrients that are associated with that topsoil. Well, that's what we've done. In this, I mean, we farm the land over and over and over, never let it rest in the West. And instead, we use chemicals to produce high yields. And so we have nutritionally depleted foods with lots of chemicals put on them. We get big yields, but not a whole lot of nutrition. So today, I mean, even 100 years ago, we probably didn't need to supplement the diet. But today, we do. So again, because of these modern farming methods, much of our produce and meat are nutritionally flawed. As an example, cabbage used to be one of the highest sources of vitamin C in the world. Today, a commercially grown head of cabbage has almost no vitamin C. Carrots used to be very high in protein. Today, a commercially grown stalk of carrot has almost no protein at all. Tap water contains chlorine and other chemicals to help to kill the bacteria, but it's those chemicals that deplete nutrients from the body and can cause all kinds of health consequences long term. And on top of all that, most Americans consume 80% of all their food from either fast food or nutritionally depleted processed foods. And all of that, fast food and processed foods, packaged foods, are seriously lacking in important nutrients and can cause nutritional deficiencies, which leads to health consequences later. I'm going to read to you what the Journal of the American Medical Association said about this back in 2002. Um, now, by the way, I think this is an incredibly important point that this came from the Journal of the American Medical Association, or JAMA, if you're familiar with them, because they're not in the, in the habit of saying very many nice things about nutritional substances because they're funded by the pharmaceutical industry. Amen. So they don't say very many good things about nutritional substances, but they did in, in, on this one. Uh, this is the Fletcher and Fairfield article, Vitamins for Chronic Disease Prevention in Adults, JAMA 2002. So I'm going to read this whole thing to you. Suboptimal, that means lower than necessary, lower than needed. Suboptimal intake of some vitamins is a risk factor for chronic diseases and common in the general population. 
suboptimal folic acid levels along with suboptimal levels of B6 and B12 are a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, neural tube defects, and colon and breast cancer. Low levels of vitamin D contribute to bone loss and fractures and also immune issues of various sorts. Uh, and low levels of the antioxidant vitamins A, E, and C may increase the risk for several chronic diseases. Most people do not consume an optimal amount of all vitamins by diet alone. Pending strong evidence of effectiveness from randomized trials, it appears prudent for all adults to take vitamin supplements. Now, what are the ones that we might want to think about doing on a regular basis? Well, I have my core four, and the core four is a good broad-spectrum daily multiple, uh, omega-3 fatty acids from fish oil, because that helps with neurological development and health, vitamin D for the immune system, and probiotics for gut health. That's my core four. But other considerations would be extra vitamin C for your immune system and extra vitamin E for the cardiovascular system because there's been some very important research on vitamin E and cardiovascular health as well. Um, I mean, each one of those seven pillars of health could be a, an entire lecture in and of itself. So I'm just, man, I'm barely skimming the surface on this. But when it comes to supplements, I do want to uh, um, bring something to your attention um, buyer beware. Amen. Buyer beware. See, because the supplement industry is not regulated by the FDA. That's a good news, bad news story. We don't want the FDA to regulate the nutritional industry because if they did, you'd have to get a prescription to get black cohosh or echinacea for Pete's sake. So we don't want them involved. But the consequence of them not being involved is that the the quality of these supplements vary greatly from company to company because it's not being regulated. They're, nobody's holding anybody's feet to the fire. As a matter of fact, in 2015, the New York State Attorney General took four supplement distributors to task for fraudulently labeled nutritional products. And they were, by the way, GNC, Walgreens, Walmart, and Target. Now, here's what they did. They went and they, they, they took 70 different products off the shelf, herbal products. They took 70 diff uh, different products off the shelf, and they had them analyzed for content versus label claim. 70 different products. Not a single one met label claim. Not one. As a matter of fact, many of them had none of what was claimed on the label. And do you know what they found instead? Brace yourself, rice powder and house plants in the supplements. That's the consequence of not being regulated by the FDA. So buyer beware, you have to use a good, high-quality uh, uh, supplement line in order to validate, in order to, to know that you're getting what's on the label. Now, by the way, um, you, know, you know that I represent in, in my my marketplace work, I work for a nutritional company. We sell only to doctors, by the way. We don't send, sell to the general public. Um, so I can't sell you any of our supplements, but uh, um, they're, uh, you know, I can turn you on to some practitioners that uh, you know, sell these supplements. If you have questions about any of that, you can talk to me later, and I can send you to you know, some of the practitioners that carry our product. So, but anyway, um, so, so I'm not here to sell you anything, but I do need to let you know that, you know, there are ways to get these supplements, but I, I, 
don't come to me and say, hey, can I get so-and-so? No, I can't do that because I, we don't sell to the general public. We sell only to practitioners. All right, so um, next point I want to make here. Whoops, hold on a second. This is my last slide, and then maybe we'll have about five or ten minutes of Q&A. It's very important. I mentioned this last week that we not sit in the seat of scoffers. That's Psalm chapter 1 but that we be people who seek knowledge. Even if, you, even if there's something that you don't understand, don't be a scoffer, uh, especially without... I'm amazed at people that they scoff over so many things that they, don't, they know nothing about. But they have an opinion on it, but they don't really know anything about it. They'll scoff at it because it sounds ridiculous to them. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to not be a scoffer, but be a person that seeks knowledge. I'm going to give you two um, scriptures here to end with. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And then in Proverbs 9, verses 10 through 12, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise to your own advantage. But if you scoff, you alone will bear the consequences. So God wants us to be healthy, ladies and gentlemen, spirit, soul, and body. And he's given us principles in his word that helps us to accomplish all three, health, spirit, soul, and body. As a matter of fact, there's even a passage in the book of Psalms that, that says that God gave us the herb for the healing of the nations. Did you know that? God gave us herbal medicine for the healing of the nations. This is a biblical principle too. So God's given us wisdom and understanding and technology so that we can walk in health. Now, listen, I'm gonna, wanna, before we pray, or actually I'm going to do some Q&A. Um, before we do that, I just want to say this in closing out the, the teaching part. You know, if you have a, a serious health condition right now, there's always prayer. There's always miracles available. But wouldn't it be great to live in such a way that you don't need a miracle? Amen. When you need a miracle, they're available. But wouldn't it be great that you, that you are living in such a way that you don't need a miracle because you're walking in divine health all the time. You're blessed financially. Your family is blessed. Okay? And that's the way that God wants us to live. Um, to live from miracle to miracle... That's available, that's great, but why do, we, why do so many people live in such a way as they get themselves in trouble to the point where they need all these miracles all the time? They need a financial miracle, they need a miracle in their family, they need a miracle in their health. Why not live in such a way as to live so that you don't need a miracle every other month? Amen? All right. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.